The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. It's a joy to be with you all tonight. Uh, Thursdays have been rough for me to get to with work uh, sometimes. So it's, it's sort of timely for me that I'm, I'm giving the talk I'm giving tonight in that uh, I, I felt a bit harried uh, and rushed. And it was, uh, while not a, a crazy busy day at work, a day that presented a, a lot of sort of interesting challenges and uh, you know, echoed sort of my own state a bit with uh, the busyness that I, I see sometimes in, in the people I serve as a nurse. Uh, and the answers that, that Zazen provides, I, I'm over and over again amazed by, uh, you know, how we just take the posture and the whole world changes. And when I'd first heard that, I, I think I've shared this before, I thought, oh, well, this is just some sort of, you know, carrot on a stick to keep us practicing. Uh, but it's true. When we uh, just sit for even one breath in and out, we have an opportunity to, to kind of let things drop a bit. Oh, I don't want to look at my self computer. Stop that. Change the view. Gallery. There we go. Uh, and, you know, it's so important. And I think we as Zen practitioners, if we've been doing it for a bit, sometimes forget that. We take it for granted, uh, you know, the, the miracle that this practice truly is and, and what it offers us again and again. So uh, uh, my name is Joan. And I'm joining you from New Paltz, New York uh, tonight. And, you know, as we open many a talk with uh, the weather and, and the season, I was going to share about how fall has arrived here. And then today it betrayed me. So what I wrote down, you know, in hopes that the weather would be the same, was totally different. It was a balmy and warm sort of day. Uh, that said, autumn has arrived here. It absolutely has. And this past weekend, I had the opportunity, uh, many of you know, Fusho Hoshi and her husband Ed were up and a handful of uh, Sangha that sit at New Paltz Zen Center were here and we had a beautiful hike and it was decidedly brisk and the leaves are just starting to change. I think in a couple of weeks, they'll, uh, they'll be really beautiful. Uh, but, you know, it was that indescribable scent of autumn in the air. And and while autumn is ostensibly a time of, you know, seen as a time of death and of falling away and the leaves fall off the trees and we're, we're getting ready for the earth to, to go to sleep, if you will. Um, I think it's also a time that offers us an opportunity to really appreciate our lives as they are. Um, and it's a time of growth in many ways, I think. Uh, uh, you know, we might see spring in, in that way, but I think fall is also that way. So in the next couple of weeks, the Hudson River will be uh, putting on its annual show, uh, full of colors, I'm sure. I'm not sure how our drought uh, uh, of the summer will affect things, uh, but, you know, nevertheless, the leaves will change colors, I'm sure, and they will fall. Uh, off the trees, and there will be clogged roads with all you leaf peepers coming up from the city and getting in my way. Ugh! No, please come and enjoy the beauty of it all. It really is. It's gorgeous up here. Um, and, and I've shared this analogy in the past, but it's resonant for me still. Uh, the leaves 
change, but they're, they're not really changing. They're revealing their true self. They're revealing the carotenoids and the uh, cyanocanthines and all, all the, the colors that create the beautiful reds and oranges and yellows and browns that are revealed is only because the chlorophyll that's been so dominant in them has now got an opportunity to uh, sort of go back into the branches and back into the earth and, uh, you know, leave us for a while. And uh, I think that's the opportunity I'm talking about, you know, to, to appreciate uh, all the diversity of the numerous uh, dharmas that surround us. If we can just drop our chlorophyll colored glasses for, you know, a moment and appreciate it. So, uh, it's this time of year as well as the leaves change that it's also that back to school time of year as well for many of us, at least in the, the Northern hemisphere here. It's a time that we go back to school and that time is filled with opportunities to learn new things, to acquire new knowledge, to meet new people uh, and be challenged in new ways. And uh, I think that's some of the excitement that happens when the leaves start changing. Maybe that's why I feel it. So many of you know that I, I work as a nurse and I'm currently working as a nurse in college health. And it's an environment I've come to love. It's, uh, it's really, uh, I didn't know how great a fit it was going to be for me. And, and I love it. Uh, and for me, college was a time uh, where I, it was very precious. You know, it was a time to explore, to find out who I was uh, and let, you know, at the risk of sounding like Cindy Lauper, let some of those true colors um, come shining through uh, that had to, for multiple reasons, uh, be covered, you know, before I had gotten to college. And college was a place where I could come out. Um, I could be who I fully was. And while it might be uh, on steroids for me, I think that's true for many people. You know, it's the first time away from the confines of, uh, you know, a, a regimented sort of home, you know, hopefully, if you had that opportunity, um, you know, you, you had a place where, where people were watching out for you and helping you make decisions. Um, I know that's not true for all, but uh, hopefully that was the case. Mm -hmm. And now you're on your own and you're learning how to navigate the world by yourself. Uh, and I recognize that's a, a deep privilege. I'm very, very, very privileged to have had the opportunity to go to college. And I, I want to say that aloud as well, because it's not the case for many um, to have that opportunity to have time to to really just explore, uh, try on different ideas and uh, and viewpoints and not have to, you know, get locked into them. College is great for that. So uh, I see myself in these students, you know, almost 40 years ago now when they come into the clinic for help, um, often for the first time advocating for their own health care, uh, parents not in tow, they're, you know, for the first time describing their life and their life experience and trying to find words to, to uh, describe what's going on and seek care. And I see that potential in them, you know, as young people, uh, young adults, uh, they're like springs, you know, ready to burst forward. Uh, and, and also in that there is, um, all the, the hope and excitement, but there's the fear and the anxiety and the stress, and, and maybe even more so, 
uh, you know, in 2022 than in 19 when I was in college. <laughs> so, you know, things, things are different. Um, but it's a joy to be part of, and it's really a contagious energy. So last May, I, uh, received an email on my work email from the ACHA, the American College Health Association. And there's at least 5,000 emails they send every day. So it's usually just a practice of delete, 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 you know, boop, 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 they all go. But I look at the titles and of the threads and if there's something interesting to me or something pertinent to what we're doing in our clinic, then I open it up. But more often than not, I hate to say it, I hope no one from the ACHA ever hears this, I just delete <laughs> the majority of you know these emails. But there was one that was an offering, a scholarship was being offered for KORU, K-O-R-U, mindfulness training. And they're a group that focuses on mindfulness to be offered for uh, emerging adults in you know, college and, and educational settings. And I'd, I'd heard briefly about it and I went, oh, that's interesting. Um, it's six courses over the summer, 75 minutes long each on a Tuesday night. I could commit to that. And so I signed up and lo and behold, got a scholarship. So uh, there's a book, a required book called The Mindful 20 something uh, by Holly Rogers, uh, a doctor, an MD. And in full disclosure, I have to say, as I had signed up for this um, and I was waiting for the book to arrive, you know, I've read a few articles and I started formulating ideas about mindfulness as a whole, you know, as an idea in and of itself. And as you can probably guess, I, I was ready to have issues, you know, and roll my sleeves up and, you know, sort of battle with these people. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that was, you know, my baseline. I was like, nah, they've, they've stripped this of the ethical teachings of Buddhism. There's no precepts. There's no teacher student relationship, you know, to, to offer this in this format is, you know, a paltry offering at best, you know, and, and I'm going to hold them accountable when I finally get to, to meet them all. Um, so, you know, and I, as when the book arrived, I, I really dug in even more and decided that the whole mindfulness thing was just BS. And uh, that in fact, they were breaking precepts because they're, uh, you know, being stingy with the Dharma. They're, they're packaged it in this book and you have to buy it and you have to buy the course and, you know, the whole thing. So I, I really started to set up camp in this. There's a problem with this. Um, so when I signed in for the first Tuesday night meeting, uh, I really didn't know what to expect, uh, you know, from the meeting itself. And I had made a decision. I was not going to be Joan, no Buddhist garb. I'm just Alan, the nurse. I work at this college. I'm interested in this course because I hope that it offers something for the students that I work with. And I was going to zip it up about Dogen and I was going to hold everything in. Uh, and, you know, the screen pops up and I look at the group and, and they're great people. You can just see in their faces that everyone is earnest and wanting to bring this to their campus. Uh, and the teacher, BIPOC, um, you know, just great. She like, I immediately looked at her and I was like, oh, I love her. She's going to be my friend. <laughs> you know, I really, really like her. And I hate to say it went like, I think she has a practice. Like I can see in her, just in her demeanor and the way she's answering questions that she's anchored. And, uh, 
maybe there's something here. So I, I loosened my, you know, ah, tight grip on, you know, Zen is best. Um, it is best. We know that. <laughs> We've established that. We're all here. <laughs> Our practice is the best. But maybe there's something there uh, that she has to offer. Uh, so we uh, did the obligatory thing where she introduced herself and then we went around the room to, you know, say who we are and where we worked and what capacity we worked in and a little bit about why we came to the group. And there was, uh, you know, waiting for the spotlight to be on me in the Zoom meeting. And I'm, nope, I'm Alan, I'm a nurse, I'm Alan, I'm a nurse, I'm Alan, I'm a nurse. I'm Alan, my name is also Joan. Like <laughs> it just kind of came out and I've been practicing for, you know, about 25 years. And, uh, you know, I am a student of Enkyo Roshi's and all the student of, you know, of the village Zendo. And I'm doing this because I think it is important to offer it, but I don't know how to teach this pared down from the Zen Buddhist thing and what's there for me to offer these students. Uh, and, it wasn't, you know, uh, I think I, I could do that, one, because Vivian, my teacher, <laughs> uh, was very, made the space for that to happen. She created that space that you felt safe in uh, to share that. But I want to say there was also a part of it that still had that stink from before that I needed to puff my chest a bit and say, I am a Zen Buddhist priest, you know, and I have something to bring to this group much more meaningful than the rest of you. I don't think it was perhaps as articulated as that. But when we sat for five minutes after the introduction, uh, and it was ostensibly Zazen with a few guided, you know, very skillful guides from Vivian, I had the opportunity to go, oh, that's a story. You have a story there, you know? And isn't that what we do? And isn't that what happened when I sat down tonight rushing in to throw on my robes and take the dog out for a pee and do all the things that have to happen. And then I sat down and I went, oh yeah, yeah, right. Just this, you know? And uh, so that's what happened with Vivian. I went, well, wait a second. Maybe my story is getting in the way of this medicine that she's offering, you know, that to college students. So the full title of the book by Holly Rogers, MD, uh, the required reading is The Mindful 20-something Life Skills to Handle Stress and Everything Else. Uh, and the name of the, the, the organization, Koru, is a Maori word. Uh, and oddly enough, what's in my tattoo on my arm are Koru. It's uh, all up and down my arm. And it's an unfurling bud. It's the opportunity for growth. Uh, and that was resonant for me long before I came to Buddhist practice. And... Uh, Oh, shush, Ruby. It's okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, that speaks to me. These students are, are uh, finding themselves. And the term the author uses to describe these 20-somethings is emerging adult. Uh, and she says they're 19 to 29. And I felt very excluded as I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up. So, uh, you know, I think we're all emerging adults, you know, continuously, but this is really geared for this age range. Uh, and she speaks to the commonalities of this group, uh, regardless of gender, race, ethnicity, religion, all of them, you know, are for the first time, more often than not, really coming to terms with when do I go to bed? What do I like to wear? 
What do I like to eat? Who do I like to associate with? You know, things that uh, maybe weren't as uh, available to them, you know, in, in the past are now available. And these are big, difficult decisions. They're not really simple decisions to be made. And for some of us, it's probably hard to remember that time for many reasons, and I shan't go into why that's hard to remember <laughs> that time, but perhaps the easiest one to speak of is, um, you know, just distance from being, you know, 19, 18, 19, 20 years old. You know, it's a, a ways off for many of us, not all of us. I know there's a couple of us here that that's pretty close to, but uh, for many of us, it's, it's a bit of a distance. And as I said earlier, you know, that was a time of, of great anticipation and excitement about what the world held but also, you know, a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety, like what will it be like when I graduate? Who will I be? Where will I be? How will I be? And in the world we live in today, as I said earlier, I think probably on steroids now, even more so for kids uh, today, kids, emerging adults today than it was perhaps for me. Uh, so, this author says that this course was created because traditional mindfulness uh, techniques and meditation techniques, such as our practice, are maybe not so accessible to this age group. And, you know, at first I wanted to go, well, how so? You know, Zen is for everyone. You just need to show up. But I think there's some truth in it. Um, the I had put up flyers at SUNY, Perch, or SUNY New Paltz when I had arrived. Uh, you know, saying, yep, I got a sitting group, come and join. One person came once. <laughs> and I think we did the same thing at the Village Zendo a bit. And, you know, the, the turnout, not, not so great. And it's no fault of anyone's. You know, these are, are very, very, very busy people um, in that age range. They're busy figuring out who they are, you know. And at the same time, often, um, seeking an education that is extremely time-consuming and adding, you know, just another transparency on top of all of the, you know, Michigas and trying to figure out what's under that is uh, not an easy task if you're 19 to 29 um, or 19 to 59. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a difficult undertaking. Uh, so it seems that most of these young adults, in my experience, want an immediate fix. They want something, you know, that's going to show that it works right away. And there's techniques in this course that does kind that do kind of offer that. Oh, yeah, I, I stopped for a few minutes, and now I see, you know, a little bit clearer now. Um, and we live in this world of remote control controls and. Google and everything is just a, a swipe away with your finger. Um, so, you know, to put effort in to, to obtain, if you will, something is uh, a little analogous to the 20 something like, nope, give it to me now. You know, I just got to open up my phone and that information should be right there. Mindfulness should be right there. So, Yun Men, uh, How's that for a transition? Yun Men, <laughs> when teaching his community, said medicine and disease subdue each other. The whole world is medicine. Where do you find yourself? So I have a friend right now uh, who I work with, a per diem nurse, 
who's taking pharmacology to become a nurse practitioner, She's coming close to the end of her degree. And having taken pharmacology as a nurse, I can only imagine that as difficult as that was, this has got to be extremely trying. There's so many different medications, different classifications of medications, different uses for medications, off-label uses of medications, dosing, pediatric dosing. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And of course, the way a medication is being used yesterday may not be the way that medication is being used today. Things have changed. Causes and conditions have changed. And the medicine has to change to meet the causes and conditions. And of course, you know, some medications are poison, you know, and some medications are uh, like maybe vaccines and are a small amount of the disease itself um, attenuated and then introduced so that we can develop immunity uh, to said disease. And uh, I can't help but think about, you know, the different styles of medication. Um, you've got, you know, CR and ER, extended released and controlled release medications. And then you have meds that are used PRN, you know, as needed um, and are like sort of fast acting. And I think as Zen students, maybe we are seeking sort of elevated serum levels that remain consistent of our mindfulness, you know? So we come back over and over and over again to the cushion to try to keep our dose of mindfulness relatively high, you know, so that we can act in accord with what's arising. I can assure you that um, it, my, my serum levels run dry a lot and I'm not acting in accord a lot, hence why I have to go back to the cushion again and again. But maybe for a college student, it's more like the PRN medication. You know, they need it in the moment to, uh, to fix something, to change something that's causing them, you know, uh, distress in the moment. Uh, and you know, something that will re-anchor them, you know, when they find themselves stressed out or um, a way to come back and, you know, react skillfully. And particularly in a world where we're expected, in that world of, of college at least, where you're expected to uh, study hard, get good grades, getting good grades will get you a good job, uh, and doing that will, you know, then allow you perhaps to uh, meet the right people, get the right partner. It's very goal oriented. It's very, I need to get an A in my chemistry course because then I'm going to get into med school. And there's a, a plotted chart uh, for excellence. And there, in all of that, uh, in all of that seeking of knowledge, that accumulating of knowledge, which don't get me wrong, is very important. I'm not dismissing it as an important thing. Um, it's sometimes it leaves no room for wisdom. And so all the knowledge pushes out the wisdom, almost like the chlorophyll. And uh, it hides the beautiful reds and yellows and browns that these students have. Um, and they can't access it. And they need some sort of way to get in touch with what's underneath all of that. <clears throat> so to offer them an opportunity, a place to, to put down some of the need to know, you know, with a big capital K, and to just know, uh, to just feel their body against a cushion, to just uh, feel their breath entering and exiting their body uh, 
it's strong medicine. And it's amazing that no prescription is needed. The dosing is entirely up to you. There's minimal to no side effects, uh, other than perhaps a sense of well-being. And uh, when I first encountered this, I was really worried uh, in my sort of uh, puffy chested way that, you know, mindfulness in the wrong hands could be misused and it could do more danger and damage than good. Uh, and I think in some cases that may be true, you know, that there, the articles that I read in the past probably have a kernel of truth to them, you know, and in some situations uh, that may be true. And of course, I'm an advocate for Zen teaching and training. Obviously, here I am. Uh, but I had to step back and say, maybe even the smallest amount of just being aware of your breath offers this student, you know, the vaccine of mindfulness so that maybe um, they develop a practice, you know, maybe it proliferates in their body. And when they encounter a situation that they may have been reactive in, you know, in the future, they can take that, you know, backward step and take a deep breath and go, ah, I remember I'm in my body. I am here in this moment and I'm upset, you know, and have an opportunity to sort of label what's going on and then move forward from that. And I'm sure for many, uh, if they were titered, as we say, <laughs> for vaccines, you know, the titer will have waned over time, but maybe some, you know, will come back for a booster. Uh, and maybe some, like myself, will seek, you know, daily medication, uh, you know, to keep that level of mindfulness, you know, up, if you would. So I love, uh, I love nature altogether. I think it's why I moved to New Paltz. And I, I really love the leaves of spring when they're, you know, light green and crisp and new and everything is just coming forth and fresh. And then I love the leaves of summer when they're broad and uh, offering shade and full of their chlorophyll. But the leaves of autumn, the leaves of autumn when they let their wisdom you know, that prajna shine through, uh, unblemished with the accumulation of water and light, uh, show a, a true luminosity, you know, in, in the showing of themselves in their true nature, you know, the, the luminosity offered is amazing. So I'm going to be traveling next week up to Dartmouth College on Wednesday to go to the Koru teacher training. <laughs> so I've decided why not? And I'm sure when I arrive at Dartmouth in a couple of weeks, uh, the colors are going to be amazing. Uh, you know, both on the trees in the mountains surrounding that area, but also probably in the room with my, you know, cohort who are studying this together, as I'm sure uh, true colors are going to be put forth because uh, after a few minutes of Zazen, what else can you offer than your true self? So I'm going to leave you with uh, the seventh paragraph of our study text, the Komiozo uh, Zanmai. And, and it reminds me, is, am I, can you see it? Uh, the calligraphy behind me on the wall uh, is the Buddha's uh, saying, the earth witness bodhisattva, when he touched the ground uh, on what we celebrate as Rohatsu and had his enlightenment experience, he said, how wondrous, how wondrous, I and all sentient and non-sentient beings are simultaneously attaining the Buddha way.
And this uh, seventh paragraph of this text, which thank you, Shuso, for offering it. I love a, a study text that I can fold up and stick in my back pocket and put a copy on the desk at work and one in the bathroom. And, you know, I've got three or four of them all dog-eared um, lying around the house. You know, uh, I like that. Uh, so this was a great text for me. And I think this echoes that how wondrous, how wondrous. In this luminosity, usual people and sages, deluded and enlightened are one. In the midst of impermanence, the luminosity is unobstructed. That's a great line. I'm going to say it one more time. In the midst of impermanence, this luminosity is unobstructed. Forests, flowers, grasses, leaves, humans and animals, large or small, long or short, square or round, all display themselves simultaneously, free of discriminating thoughts or intentions. This is luminosity unobstructed in impermanence. Luminosity is its own open brilliance. It does not depend on your mind.